0: Welcome back, everyone, to this, the 10th in the series of Thrive London Good Thinking podcasts. My name's Tracy Parr, and I'm Director of Transformation at Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service. Today, I'm introducing our clinical director, Dr. Richard Graham, who is in conversation with Iva Heller. Iva is the commercial director of AFC Wimbledon. He and Richard are going to discuss how the football world can help during this pandemic. Over to you, Richard and Ivor.
1: Thank you, Tracy, And thank you, Ivor, for being able to take some time out today to join us and share with us some of the impact the coronavirus epidemic is having on the world of football. I guess a few months back, Ivor, you'd perhaps be looking at this time of the year and thinking of the season soon sort of coming to an end. I wonder if you could know then what you know now what do you think might have helped you kind of prepare for what was coming?
0: It's a good question, but not one that's easy, easy to answer because it's so hypothetical. Yeah, you know, we just couldn't have known what was coming. It seemed to come upon us so quickly that the chance to prepare was non-existent because nobody really knew what was going to happen. You know, I still think there was a an air of incredible blaséness to start with and then a sudden realisation that this was incredibly real and, in fact, was going to spread and a lot of people were going to catch this this thing and, and and a lot of people were going to die and then all of a sudden it was just like right okay we need to put the club into mothballs first you know shut it down and then plan from there so you know, I, I'm not sure we'd have done anything really different except for try to lower our cost base you know it, it's what what businesses do when they're in crisis and I think that would have been more of a disaster for the economy and for everybody in general if people had done that but nobody could have anticipated what the government steps were going to be. And that's when I think it came crashing in like a a huge tidal wave that this is really serious because the government's helping us and and doing things in a way that we would never have expected in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I was thinking particularly with football having a sort of seasonal sort of structure to its world that you kind of start off in the late summer or go through to then the late spring. But I think the point you're making is if we had known and had all become too protective of our own interests, that could have been potentially far more damaging than the hopefulness that many people lived with, hoping that it wouldn't get as bad as it perhaps has become. Yeah, I, I think there's something really to
0: be said for that. And, you know, From a football club point of view, I mean, you know, the, the way things started out, you know, with, with first of all, people saying, well, yeah, you know, we'll be back soon, and, you know, it'll just be, uh, we start training. You know, I think the first date for us to start training again was the 24th of March I think it was something like that and, mm-hmm. and then the next one was the 6th of April and you know that clearly was never going to happen as well and you know there, there, there's, there's now a lot of very interesting talk around the football world with some varying ideas and, and things that people want to do and how they want to go about things and uh, I'm not impressed with an awful lot of that to be honest.
1: <laughs> so I guess well I mean you mentioned earlier that there are sort of business interests You've got your footballers to look after, the fans to think about, the community that your ground is is based in. So there are so many aspects of what running and supporting a football club needs. How have you kind of engaged with all those different groups or or different aspects of the Wimbledon club? There's a lot of different things in there. And and, and I think that we are
0: different to a lot of other clubs, whereas we are seriously community-based because we lost our football club from our local area first of all 29 years ago when we were moved off to Sellers Park but then when they when the club was completely relocated to town in Buckinghamshire and we we started again from scratch the most important thing to us and the thing that we realized was that when you take a football club out of its community it really misses it yeah and it really needs it so now the community focus that we've got and I will talk about that first because I'm immensely proud of what we do in the community always have been but you know just now We've had a a group set up called um, Don's Local Action. It's incredible what's going on, actually. They are outside every major supermarket in Merton and now in Kingston as well. And they are collecting food. We've got two main distribution points, one being our ground and one being a, a sports ground called Old Rappishans. And from there, we are distributing food to the needy to not just our fans, but to the whole community. And we've become a, a major hub for, for the council, for all the local charities, for everybody. We're all working together, but it's being, being led by us and, and our foundation as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on total lockdown myself because I had a, a previous health condition, but I'm sitting here watching with absolute awe what these guys are doing. And when you talk about doing stuff in the community, football's got this horrendous habit, I think, of just ticking boxes. There are a lot of foundations that have been set up. They tick boxes. They, they take the low-hanging fruit, the easy wins. What's going on here is not, it's not an easy win at all. They're not paying lip service to it. They're really doing it. Uh, on top of that, we've got a whole scheme going on where vulnerable people, old people, you know, people from with learning disabilities, physical handicaps, all sorts of people are being rung up, not just by our volunteers, but our, our managers have been doing it, our players have been doing it, and... It's making a difference in the community, and and we really know that from the feedback that we're getting. It's it's just incredible, and and that's a community club for me. You know, not ticking boxes, actually doing.
1: I love that. sounds like the club has really embraced its responsibility to the community, and and that starts with the most basic of human needs, to have food. Here's the thing, though. This is not the club, necessarily, that's done that. It's under the banner of the
0: club, but it's a group of fans, I have to stress this, that, that got this started and then working you know, with the club, with the foundation, and using the club's comms to be able to get people involved. And the thing is, we're owned by our fans. So these are our actual club owners that are out there doing this. And this is why I'm saying it's not just a box-ticking exercise. This is, this is something else. They're raising money. They're, they're delivering prescriptions. They're working with all the other local organisations. They're, they're, they're supplying the ambulance crews. They're, they're going to St George's Hospital. They're going to St Helier Hospital, Kingston Hospital, you know, really, really making a huge difference in, in our very real communities.
1: What is it, do you think, that helped your fans and, and your owners and the players themselves engage in that way? Because, I mean, as you say, it's possible for people to, you know, offer small acts of charity. But this sounds like a, a very powerful movement, really, to provide as much as possible to the local community. No,
0: it is a movement is exactly the right way to put it. It's become a movement now. There's a lot of catchphrases in football and in fan engagement and stuff like that. This, is, this isn't just fan engagement. This is community activation. And it means the absolute world to me. The main purpose of our club is to help support the community and it always was for me. You know, although I wanted a football club, I wanted a successful football club. But I think your best form of marketing that you could ever have is to be involved in your community to be a vital part of your community, your community will then support you. That's the way I see it, and not, not the other way around. You know, we don't just have to be there for them. You know, we have to be them, and then they'll be us. So you know, as far as the players are concerned, I mean, they're all young men. You, know, you think back to what I was like in my early 20s, and uh, was I a responsible adult by then? Probably not. <laughs> Most definitely not. And, and it's very difficult for them, and I, I'm sure that, that some of them have had quite a time with it, but we are in constant contact with the players. They are set programs. They are doing Zoom conferences where where they're all doing training sessions in front of each other. So so yeah, it's making a massive difference. they they're, they're under they've got very regular, very
1: regular help. Well, you make a number of really interesting points. One is the fact that football as a sport is is always involved with community of fans coming together, even if not with with local residents. But also for the players and, and the fans themselves to be able to do something at this time that they can see has real value, is going to make a difference. You know, might help them cope with some of the disappointments, some of the anxieties. Um, when's it all going to end, etc. That they're actually able to engage and connect with people in a different way that might also be rewarding. Yeah,
0: I think I think the yeah, the mental side of this this crisis is something that yeah you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of in a, a very early stage. You know, there are people that I know, fans that I know, friends that I know. There are people that, that you wouldn't have down as as people that, that suffer from anxiety an awful lot that are incredibly anxious, giving them something else to concentrate on and something else to think about. It's our role. It's what we do. It's what we have to do. But you know, it's increasingly difficult the longer this crisis goes on. And, and it's why I'm you know, very much in favour of some common-sense thinking from the football authorities and so on, to give everyone a clear target. At the moment, whatever happens, we're going to finish this season. Well, is that practical? How's that going to happen? Why don't we just have a a new season to look forward to next season and something for everybody to focus on where you you take a lot of the, the issues out of extending the season past June the 30th, which would be very difficult for football clubs. So... Yeah, I think some common sense thinking, clear planning is is vital at the moment. But giving people something to look forward to is also really important.
1: Yeah, sure. But it does sound like the uncertainty itself can have a negative impact on someone's mental health because they are constantly sort of hanging in the balance, not quite sure whether to prepare or to wait until the late summer or whatever it is. Some of the indecision or the uncertainty, which you know, perhaps can't always be avoided, but there is a cost to that. Yeah, but I, I think it's the same
0: for every industry that that's kind of working from home, that's mothballed at the moment. Everybody is sitting there wondering, you know, when can we get back? How can we get back? What can we do? But to me, I'm very much of the opinion that football, as such, takes a very much a back seat now. But would I start playing football again? Well, yeah, I would I, I, if it was 100 percent safe for 100% of the people. The main thing is the players are going to have to train again, right? To train properly, you have to have physical contact. So they can't start playing football again until social distancing has has been taken out of the equation. To my mind, and if the football authorities were to do this, I, I would get very upset, I have to say, they cannot make an exception for football above train drivers, bus drivers, people that work in coffee shops, restaurants, and so on. They can't make an exception for that. They can't say that because they're footballers, they don't have to worry about social distancing. When you're playing football against each other, you run on the pitch, and a byproduct of that is that you spit. That's always happened, isn't it? It's not, never a nice thing to see. Uh, and you know, when they're running, they're, they're, they're secreting and, and, and so on. And it would not be safe, in my opinion. So, you know, they have to bring these things into account. So I, I'm all for bringing football back when it's 100% safe to bring football back and not one second before. Uh, and if people you know, talk about there's, there's billions of pounds at stake, here, you know, I don't really care about that side of it. You know, I would sacrifice every single football match worldwide, actually, for one life. But, you know, I've got a real, real moral dilemma with people taking chances on this, which is my own opinion,
1: of course. Well, it makes a huge amount of sense. And I think you did use the phrase common sense earlier in terms of decision making, because uh, football is then fundamentally a contact sport. You can't tackle somebody from two metres away, whatever is going on with secretions. So you simply can't train and have that in place for matches until social distancing has come to an end. And anything that risks increasing contact i guess for us all as we've been hearing from the government you know could have an impact on the health of many beyond ourselves yeah so it's a really interesting point and and also a bit like you were saying about food you know at this time in this country's life or the world's life there may be things more important than football or the internet food your health etc have to be the priority yeah i mean keeping people entertained Keeping people focused
0: on things and giving them good things to look forward to is hugely important. I'm a big fan of many sports, golf, horse racing and, and football are, 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 are the things that you know, And In golf, they've, they've, they've turned around and said that the Masters is going to be in November and the PGA is going to be at a certain time. And, and I'm hooked on to looking forward to those. The problem with football at the moment is we just don't know. And, and the arguments are, are quite fierce about it, about how people should go about this. Yeah, you know, on, on what should actually happen and you know, I think that, that some clubs are being very selfish and saying, Well, we've invested money to try and get a promotion, so we have to finish the season. And it's just like, Well, if it's if the best thing for the health of the nation is that we don't finish the season, then unlucky we'll try and help you with some of that money, I guess, but but unlucky because you know, no no one told you, you had to do that. But in this instance, the health of the nation has to come before people's investments into their football clubs. That's my opinion.
1: I guess so it does raise The challenge, because uh, it struck me earlier that football, with its seasons, you know, it has a kind of routine. And I guess for a lot of people, what we're seeing at the moment, whether it's work and and the daily sort of um, getting up, going to work, coming home, or doing those things that you look forward to at the end of the week, that the changes to the football world that have come with the coronavirus epidemic are, are such that people can't look forward to some of the things that did make their lives better that did improve their mood connected them with others are you able to do anything that kind of gives them some sort of substitute i mean you've you've talked a lot about the the fans volunteering to do amazing work but is there anything else that you've been able to do as a club that supports the fans
0: well there there's, there's been a lot of stuff put out you know a, a lot of reruns you know our greatest moments you know, make people feel good about that. But the one thing you need to remember with football is, yes, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good on the run up to the game. And then, you know, during the actual game is, is, a, is a period of high anxiety. I can assure you of that. And, and then you're either elated or you're deflated or you're somewhere in the middle. You know, win, lose or draw. So for some people, it, taking the anxiety and the possibility of losing out of <laughs> yeah. the th- This is why I'm, uh, you know, to me, from, a, from my own mental perspective, from my own well-being, and this is from someone that works in football and I live and breathe it, I'd like to see a line drawn under things and a clear and achievable target set to start the next season. I don't think it should be before September. I don't think it could be before September. But you know, by September, I think there's a chance, a real chance, that we could get back playing football and, and, and then slowly ease our way back into normality. I think that would put people on a, OK, we're relaxed now. We're all going to relax now. We're all going to chill out. We're going to start planning for the next season. And that gives people something to look forward to. Whereas at the moment, the uncertainty of it, I don't think is doing anybody any good. Players and employees in
1: particular, uh, it's very difficult for everybody. Yeah, it's hard to plan when you don't know from one week to the next almost what's going to happen. But I do like your point that if you happen to support a club that might be on the way down, that isn't by any means always winning, the coronavirus epidemic might be sparing you a lot of anxiety and depression too. So um, that's an interesting spin that I hadn't heard yet. You know, the the Bill Shankly thing, you know, football's
0: not a matter of life or death. It's much more important than that. It's something that that I always think was a slight falsehood. Um, But, you know, football being the most important thing of the least important things is something that I think is, you know, it's right at the top of the least important things. And therefore, you know, it's such a force for good in the UK that I really do want to see a positive and, and successful outcome to restarting to play again in a way that suits everybody. Some of the things I've heard at at the moment are just unsuper and horrible. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what
1: happens. Sure. But I I, I think the point you make, which I'm sure is right, is that although we are living through this sort of extraordinary time of of so much change, the nation is watching. And uh, I certainly read something recently that suggested Those that are not going to prioritise the health and well-being of the citizens of this nation will be confronted with that later, that values are coming back to the fore very powerfully at the moment. And if your values are not in the right place or of the right type, you know, that won't go unnoticed. Totally. And, And that's quite correct
0: as well in my book. You know, there is a chance that there will be a correction in society. That's really, we're moving much deeper than football here, to be honest. But I I believe there could be a correction in society in several different ways. And some of that will actually be for the good, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, we all know there's going to be hard times after this. And it's something that my generation and a lot older than me have never faced. So for the vast majority of the population in this country, this is something completely unheard of and completely new. Those that lived through the war, you know, my, my, my father is 85 years old, in splendid isolation at the moment, being looked after very well. Uh, for people like that, they're, they're, they're a little bit, some of them are, what's all the fuss about? And I so, said, well, to be fair, you're sitting there in, in, in your isolation, being looked after. Um, for a lot of other people, this is much more close to the surface and much more dangerous than, than, than a lot of people realise. And that can have a chronic effect on the country. And it's why it's so important that things like football, other sporting events and the administrators of those events use common sense and make sure they set the beacon so people have something to latch on to have something to really look forward to not just a load of we're only worried about the money that can't be it for
1: me i think the point you're making which we keep hearing about is that it isn't just about the values but about the fact that we're all having to reconnect with what is important in our lives in terms of say our biology that we do need food and uh, For for mental health, we need some real connection with others that isn't simply, you know, an exciting uh, event or something. It's got to have deeper roots than that. So you may be right. There may be uh, all sorts of corrections that are going to happen during this because we have lived through such a time where, for most of us at least, and I wouldn't want to sort of say that it's for everyone, we haven't had to worry about some of those essentials that now, you know, we see in the supermarkets or in other ways, are not automatically always going to be there. But at least there seems to be some hope that we're moving out of that enormous panic that first gripped the country. I, I saw some stuff on uh, at Don's local action
0: group this morning. They were, uh, someone said some photographs of the big Tesco's in New Malden uh, and there's no queues there, there's nobody there. So, you know, I think that, that maybe finally people have realised, oh, there is still food, we can still feed ourselves and, and we don't need to do that anymore you know, that, that's a good thing, but yeah, the donations to our food tables that we're putting out there are still happening and people are realising and, you know, it's quite amazing, the, the, the generosity of the, the human spirit. It's, it's, it, it's made my spirit soar, seeing what's going on, I can tell you that. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff.
1: Well, it does sound like that movement, as, as you described it, is, is lifting your spirits, but I wonder what else you've been able to do that might be sort of giving your mood a bit of a boost during this period. Well, me personally,
0: I decided that that, that when I knew I was confined to barracks, I was going to try and keep up my relatively new get fit scheme and trying to keep up to my 10,000 steps a day. And Lisa very kindly filmed me, and and I made a rude gesture at her when she was filming me, and it was actually quite funny. So I I put it on, on Twitter, and then loads of people turned around and said, what are you going to do tomorrow? How are you going to follow that? So ever since then, I've done a challenge every day from Monday to Friday, keeping up my steps and some of them have been quite ridiculous and I've made a complete fool of myself but I keep getting messages from people to say that they really enjoy it they look forward to it every day when my my task comes out and I'm like okay well you know if people are enjoying it and they keep sending me those kind of messages and setting me tasks that don't involve me removing my clothing and performing in front of a camera which is what an awful lot of them seem to want me to do (laughs) I'll keep doing them you know and I'll keep having fun so that's really inspired me actually and you know, the whole fitness kick is something I've got a 55 step garden, I could do 55 steps around my garden, so you know, I'm, I'm doing about 200 a day, um, circuits of the garden, and that's keeping me in. I'm fitter now than I've ever been, it's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you remind me as well that we, we were talking to someone else recently who was saying that one of the first things people felt going into isolation was kind of like a pressure to do lots and lots of stuff to learn languages to read this cook that and and that it would all feel a bit like a social media pressure what i think you're also sharing with us is that actually it can be fantastically helpful as well as funny for people to just be themselves and to be ordinary and to perhaps make the odd rude gesture or or do something funny that you know is is not particularly complicated but it's just about connecting and and sharing what it's like to be here at the moment. One of the hardest things
0: for people to do in life in general and it's something that I I learned a long time ago and, and i was very lucky is that there's a lot of people go through life without ever finding their voice in things. So for your mental health and mental well-being being able to talk about how you feel and what you're feeling and why you're actually doing things you know, instead of feeling like you're doing things because people think you should do things, doing things because you want to do things, I think it is what is absolutely best for your mental health. So don't feel pressured to do stuff. Do stuff because you want to do stuff. And then that will spur you on. And that's what I've found very much with this fitness thing, which really does not come naturally to me, I promise you. But I've found that the more I push myself, the better the feeling of satisfaction and the, the greater my, my well-being has been, you know, and I've really managed to stay out of having, you know, even momentary slumps. I feel like I'm in a fight, actually. It's not just me, but to keep the people around me up to levels of some kind of normality. I feel that's really important because I've, I've always been a leader. I've always tried to lead from the front. So now, what can I do from home to do that? Well, I can show people that you can still have fun, you can still enjoy yourself. And in point of fact, it's really important that we do those things. You know, if you're watching a box set on television that floats your boat, then, then that's what you need to do. You need to do the things that make you happy, you know, as long as it's not not doing you damage.
1: And, and that's really important. Yeah, but I think the point you're making is that if you set yourself a challenge, which might be to improve how you are physically in terms of fitness, that's a bit tougher than putting on a box set. Absolutely. I'm just saying that, you know, there have been other
0: times in my life where, I mean, I've recently done a big thing for Diabetes UK because I, I was pre-diabetic. And I decided to really try and do something about it, which is what this is about. You know, this is why I've been doing this massive fitness kick and, and, and healthy eating. And it's working, by the way, really, really well. You know, that was all caused by horrible circumstances for, for myself for my family. I had a big operation followed by a, a, a really horrible bereavement in the family that set everybody back and set me back. My father needs constant care. Um, he's now got 24-7 care, thankfully. But the whole thing for you—it know, went on for over a year, and it was a horrible spiral. And although I've always got a cheerful disposition, you know, it was really on top for me for a long, long time. Where you know, I wasn't really very fit, and then I was going out and coming back late. And therefore, you come back late, and it's like, let's have a takeaway. Let's not bother. It's too late now. Yeah, you know, and it was a spiral. And at the time, I needed to do things that made me happy, and that wasn't necessarily looking after myself the way that I should have done. But once I realised, once the lights switched back on and I realised I had to do something about it, that was a, a real great moment. And while people are sitting there, if they're in a, in a funk, and there will be a lot of people feeling really rather down about all of this at the moment, the best thing they can do is focus on something
1: positive and make themselves do something positive that makes them happy. It will supplement everything in their life, I'm sure of that. And perhaps one of the key things about it, which I think you, know, you are using social media to achieve, is that if you can share that, whether it's kind of watching a box set and talking about it with other people or running around your garden 200 times, <laughs> you know, being able to share that and get the support of other people to keep going sometimes, that's a really fantastic way to stay motivated. It is for me personally. You know, I've got people
0: that have helped me a lot and I look up to them and vice versa and I do not want to let those people down. So I, I've got a great sense of duty and loyalty. And it's something that I really, really want to see happen. And you know, it's the same thing with, with with the footballers. The footballers, I know our footballers right now are in the middle of a, a really tough training session you know, on Zoom. I, I know that they're, they're being put through their paces. Our, our fitness instructor is going nuclear on them today. I know that. <laughs> and and that, that's wonderful, isn't it? You know, if, if you actually think about it, you know, they're very lucky that they've got someone there going, you will do this every day. This is what you're going to do. This is your set program. And by the way, they've got, we've got monitors so we kind of know, you know. That's fantastic. But for most of us, we have to do it ourselves. We have to do it ourselves. And and, and that's a really difficult challenge, but one that I implore people to just, you know, just try and do a bit more than you were doing. And you'll feel the benefits. And that will make you do more. That's what's happened with me. You know, and I'm really not the active type, I promise you. <laughs>
1: Well, that's incredibly helpful to hear you share that sort of journey from, you know, going from a very dark place to finding the light coming back on and then embracing a challenge. So that's wonderful to hear, Ivor. But we are, sad to say, almost out of time, and we're going to do something that kind of boosts probably my mood more than the listeners, which is to finish by asking you a few questions that tell us even more about you than perhaps we've heard so far. Oh, dear. (laughs) So the first question is to ask you, if you were going into isolation and could have chosen to take with you three famous or prominent people, who would you have taken? This, this will crack people up a little bit, to be honest with you. i will take
0: Barry Hearn, because he's one of the most entertaining raconteurs and people that I've ever heard in my life, a wonderfully entertaining man. Uh, I might bring Elvis in just to sing, you know, and, and he'd have some good stories, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd have some really good stories. Oh, who, who would the other one be? I, I, I'm going to have to go Wimbledon-centric here. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to bring in my probably all-time football hero and club president now, Mr Dicky Guy, who was very famous back in the 70s. But he was my boyhood hero, he's now one of my best friends. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to include Dickie in that because he's one of the greatest people I know. Bravest man in the world as far as I'm concerned.
1: So you've got some sort of good gossip entertainment and then somebody to really inspire you so that sounds like a really nice combination it's a good blend (laughs) so if you could take some piece of media and we say media because it could be a book music film could even be a recording of a sporting event or a play something like that what would sort of give you some comfort or lift your mood well i mean I, i love a good film
0: so it would certainly be one of my favourite films. You know, they've got different ones. I mean, I love The Godfather, but if I, if I want want something to give me a good laugh and to make my mood, probably My Cousin Vinny or something like that that just makes me belly laugh every time I watch it because it's just ridiculously funny. So something like that, nothing too too serious on the film front. The music front, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big music fan, so my collection, my Apple library, would be absolutely critical for me to survive anything.
1: Oh, you've got a whole library. <laughs> the film probably is, If you're only allowed one piece, so I think if you've got Elvis in there with you as well, either, you'll, you'll probably be all right for music.
0: I, I think Elvis and I doing a duet would be quite good. I, I'd like that. <laughs> I think you might even get that onto TikTok.
1: <laughs> Finally, a luxury. Wow.
0: Okay. I think having gone through uh, as much as I've gone through here, I think the luxury would be, which I haven't got, by the way, so if anyone's got a spare one, they can give it to me, it would be one of those reclining chairs that gives you a massage and everything while you're sitting there. With a foot massage. how about that?
1: (laughs) Well, I think we'll let you have that as well, given all the running around your garden you've been doing. You might need a bit of uh, foot massage too. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I'm sure there are going to be lots of football fans and lots of people who just care about their communities who are going to feel really inspired about what you're doing in Wimbledon. And perhaps we'll catch up with you later in the year when the season's back and football is happening again, just to hear you know, what corrections there have been in the world of football.
0: You know, just in case people do want to see my silly antics on Twitter, it's iva 27 You'd be very welcome to uh, to come and join in. Give me some ideas, some inspiration. I'd love that. I ne- I need ideas. Polite ones though, if possible.
1: <laughs> okay. Well we'll leave it there today. Thank you, Iva, and we'll look forward to catching up on Twitter, I guess. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anytime. Thank you very much. Bye bye.